imagine all life as you know it stopping instantaneously and every molecule in your body exploding at the speed of light. Total Protonic Reversal. Protonic Reversal. Protonic Reversal with your host, Conan Neutron. Broadcasting from a secret underground lair in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. A gigantic middle finger to everything that is rock about music, rock and roll, and corporate power. thing is, though... If you don't lie, you're going to go on a killing spree with shot in the name of Confidence of a hero or a fool, I wasn't exactly certain which. Could not be more professional. It's That's like a science thing, right? Indeed, indeed, indeed. It is a science thing. It is a science place. It is a scientific fact that we are all up in your face. It is time for the one, the only... Protonic Reversal. Welcome to it. Holy moly. Another stay-at-home edition, which is the new normal, I guess. Like many things. Probably one of the less odious things that's the new normal, perhaps. One can hope. Uh, we are going to have a overseas guest tonight. It's going to be Jem from the band um, Dead. Yeah! Yeah, I know. I'm excited about it, too. Uh, really stoked to have him on. Should be good. They got a new record, and it rips really hard. It's available on Bandcamp deadsounds.bandcamp.com for us folks european customers should hit the rock as hell big cartel uh we can go over this later we don't need to we don't need to get too into it right now so we are gonna be talking to Jem. that's great uh, of course thanks everyone for all the support for the recent episodes for all the stay-at-home edition stuff the steve albini episode timmy dead episode uh andy connors Stephen mcdonald it's been a good run we got a bunch of awesome stuff coming up as well and this week alone is going to be absolutely bonkers uh quite looking forward to it dale crover tomorrow toshi kasai wednesday falco from future the left thursday then Dwayne dennison from jesus lizard and then jerry kasali from devo so needless to say i'm uh, more than a little stoked and i'm very very excited to share these conversations with you thanks for everyone's been so supportive Again, if you don't already know, RadioNeutron.com for the archives. And if you want the shows quicker, there's a Patreon. Patreon.com slash Protonic Reversal. It's literally all it is. You get them quicker. Uh, it's the same stuff. Dollar a month. Think about $12 for the year. Think about like buying a record or something, right? Uh, so anyway, I don't want to get too preachy about it. You're either into that or you're not. And if you're not, not a big deal. It's there for folks that are that are impatient and or want to help grow the show or support the show. That's out of the way. This Too is resolved. Remorse um, off of the album Raving Drooling. Pretty frustrating. We'll I mean, we've got a better gem. situation yeah. than most. Um, Raving Drooling. Jason and I, because there's only two of us. Oh, yeah. Fuck, I guess the, the rules are different everywhere. Okay, but in Australia now.
All right, so that was Dead. That was the band Dead with their uh, one of their new songs, that Remorse, off of the album Raving Drooling. And uh, now coming uh, all across the world, we have Jem. Now, how are you doing, Jem? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm pretty good. So you're yeah. up on a hill right now, is what you were saying? Uh, yeah, I'm actually just staring at some fucking enormous kangaroos. <laughs> um, and I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know that they. There's little spots all around my house where you know, you know that you usually see them, but I right. didn't actually know this was a spot. And um, it's it's actually quite intimidating because the big ones, you know, they're not like, uh, they're not like aggressive animals or anything. But there's there's usually like one male. Per right. pack that you, you don't want to fuck with and i'm just looking at him yeah well it, it's funny because coming from the united states of america of course everybody here assumes that this is just you know daily life like that's an average <laughs> tuesday right <laughs> yeah well it 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 is where i live it just isn't in the cities obviously yeah i so, mean there and there are yeah. don't get me wrong there are there are equivalencies within the united states of america for instance florida it seems like there's alligators involved in at least two out of every three news <laughs> items there's just you know alligator in the pool alligator at the at the liquor store just they're they're, they're very involved with daily life yeah. of being in florida but then again people in florida that's a whole separate situation and i was just on the phone to josh you know from wantage josh vanick uh, records yeah friend and, of the um, show and actual friend yes <laughs> Yeah, and he was just saying, oh, hang on, just excuse me, I've just got to walk around some elk. And I was right. like, oh, man, so jealous. That, yeah. that's, and which is, of course, that's some peak Montana business, too. So, you know, it's... That's, yeah, Mon- Montana as fuck. Yeah, yeah d- <laughs> definitely. And, of course, uh, of the many things that Josh is responsible for, there's the uh, the Statriot stuff as well, which if you if you want to get some Montana-themed apparel it's pretty badass yeah it's funny because i i always want to get some and i think it's one of those things that uh maybe makes less sense when we bring it back here you know um, <laughs> right, like, what is what is that <laughs> what is what does that yeah, mean yeah <laughs> um, uh, th- there's a, y- you guys have a funny thing going on in this, like, this is something i didn't really appreciate until i'd been there a few times but we di- i didn't really get that the u.s sort of depending on which state you're in, considers itself not one country, but a whole lot of different ones. Because you know? <laughs> we don't really have that. Like, we're just, right. we're, we're the same size as you physically, but there's mm-hmm. only five states and, you know. There's a, there's, there's a whole so, lot of outback in the middle. <laughs> yeah, there's a whole lot of outback and most people don't go there and we don't have that state pride sort of thing. Um, and that kind of is alarm bells to us like in australia it's basically if you wave a flag here it means you're a nationalist there's no in between you know um but we've experienced touring in the states you know like staying at someone's house and they're really really lovely and super sympathetic to underground bands and then i'm like oh my god there's 20 u.s flags in your house <laughs> like, <laughs> right like, like 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 if, if i if there was one australian flag at home i would say to jace let's get the fuck out of here they don't like brown people obviously like yeah yeah but it's it's, it's different over there yeah well and especially there and it's hard to explain to people that have not been to the mountain west before but there's a, a, a specific strain of not even just western but mountain west that 
it's when you when people speak of libertarianism, it, it's none of the airship dwelling nonsense and more <laughs> and more just coming yeah. from a very progressive like I'm gonna mind my business, you mind yours, but don't worry, we're still all in this together sort of mindset. But if you didn't know any better, there are things that you know there there is that cultural shorthand that the, the I mean the real thing for us is if you see the uh, Confederate flag and then you know you know you're you're in for it there. That's that's the sure sign of an asshole. Yeah, well, that was something I only learned in the last couple of years. Which the, the thing I love about that yeah. is like, yeah, you know, you guys lost, right? <laughs> like a long yeah. time ago. Like, what? Why are you wearing? You're wearing that with pride. It's like, and what I love, I've, I've seen people, you know, wear, you know, have like apparel with that flag on, and they're at a truck stop in Kansas. I'm like, you know, that Kansas wasn't in the South, right? You understand that? Yeah. <laughs> Fuck, yeah. <laughs> Anyway, so that's 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 a yeah, that's that's the cultural shorthand that I think that you're looking for. But I, yeah, I understand what you're talking about because there is a region. There's a lot of regional differences. There's Midwest pride. There's East Coast pride, which breaks up into like you know 13 different fiefdoms that nobody outside the East Coast gives a flying fuck about. There's yeah. West Coast pride. There's Los Angeles and Bay Area pride. Like it's definitely. <sighs> I mean, I've I've been in Texas. Yeah. trying to explain to a person who was dead set he was sure that texas was bigger than australia <laughs> <laughs> like, to be fair texas is pretty is goddamn big but it's not that big <laughs> it's it's big but our states i mean i don't if this isn't a pissing contest but the states in our country are all bigger because yeah. um because there aren't many of them it was just i was like Dude, just look at a map. Like, <laughs> come on. Well, that's like you know me, yeah. me being from California. When you try to ex- explain people, like people would think Los Angeles and San Francisco are next to each other. It's like, oh no, th- those that's like six and a half hours away. Like you have to understand, yeah, yeah. California is like the size of two thirds of like the coast. So it's about like nine of the states that you're used to. <laughs> like you think of those yeah. as states; those are like counties for us. <laughs> and I, I didn't realize how much of California was a desert. You know, until yeah. I went over there. Which is, yeah. There's every region. Yeah. There's mountains. Yeah. There's you know, valleys. There's beach, desert. There's you know, what do you want? Indoor force of indoor. We got it. It's you know. <laughs> I yeah, shouldn't well, say we. Yosemite. I don't live there anymore, but you know. Yosemite was um, pretty amazing to us. We actually saw a. Uh, I don't know what type of bear, but it ran right in front of us. Um, That's an experience not, that can go a couple ways. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, it wasn't a big one, you know. It was a yeah, it was a smaller bear. Uh, we, we've actually been really lucky with that. We've seen bison way up close in Yellowstone. Beautiful. Um, and we actually—I don't know how common this. Is. Like, is seeing a bald eagle common? Uh, it depends on the region. It's it's not. It's not super common. It's co- if you're someone's like looking around for them in the right region, you will probably find them eventually. It used to be yeah. uh, less common than it is now. They've kind of been on the upswing, which is good. But they, oh, cool. yeah, they, they make the uh, not not to immediately talk trash about the bald eagle, but they make a very <laughs> they make a noise that does not sound like what you think that bird would sound like. Like you see yeah, them, okay. they they like just it looks like oh that's a tough you know that's a brute of a bird oh it must be you know have a really like sound like a pterodactyl or something and just kind of squeak, squeak, squeak. <laughs> it's like oh, really okay. that's it yeah. okay I mean, you sound like a yeah. it's like a baby penguin or something like that's 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 what you got <laughs> bald eagle you can maybe you stay silent strong silent type we like that here yeah 
Well, we, we were just pretty – the first tour we did in the U.S. Uh, when we got to Total Fest in Missoula, yes. we went tubing, you know, and that's – everything about it was just crazy to us because where we live, rivers don't usually have water in them and um, you certainly don't have enough water to go tubing. And uh, we were tubing, we were drinking really shitty beer and we saw uh, a bald eagle chasing an osprey fly above us. That's something like peak uh, Montana. That's awesome. I know. And, yeah, Jason, Jason and I were just like, oh, my God, this is like how, more, how much more American could this get? Yeah, if you, if you, had, your, if you had your punch card, you could just kind of just get a bunch of them. Yeah. I don't know what you would get to turn that in, but you would get a T-shirt with a bald eagle swooping down into a lake and pulling a six-pack out of it. Yeah, six pack of PBR. Man, right, I just, exactly. I, 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 I never, I never need to drink that beer again. Ugh. Sorry. Yeah, no, it's yeah. A, there's no need to apologize. I feel the same way. It's, it's, it's. Uh, you know, my my personal thing on tour is, if I'm if I am drinking, I will always start with something good, even if it's I pay out of pocket for it, and then maybe yeah. if I can stomach a cheap beer afterwards, fine. But it's I find myself less and less, even willing to go to that effort. Uh, these days and and people think I'm being you know a snob about it it's like no it just it tastes like turpentine to me after about the first or second sip <laughs> I just don't care for it <laughs> yeah well it's a tough one I mean I'm a I come from a family and a culture that values food very very highly and I kind of think yeah no if you don't want to put you know corn syrup and whatever the hell else <sighs> you know they make PBR out of into yeah. your body that's that's actually okay that's not you're not being a snob you yeah because i would plus, bl- plus i'd rather buy a you know if there's something that was locally made yeah exactly man, i'd rather support, support a local brewer or some or someone yeah. that's that's you know doing the work and you know doesn't have that like crazy i don't even know who freaking owns them anymore it's like one is it anheuser bush or uh i don't even know it's like yeah, one of the big well, mega InBev. hmm it's a, it's a strange phenomena how that like it, PBR um, yeah PBR even made it over here but it's a weird thing where you've got worlds of uh, people that are generally pushing for independent this independent that you know punk rock and all that and then for some reason they really want to support um, just these total like massive corporations when it comes to their beer right. I don't get it. Well, it's it's good. It's insidious marketing. I mean, as as much as I love Blue Velvet, you know the, <laughs> and I love David Lynch. Just that one scene where Dennis Hopper's character, you know, says the one line, probably like did a whole generation's worth of, of marketing for them. Like, <laughs> you know, oh, the, is that a PBR that he's drinking in that when he well, says that beer is going to get warm? Well, he's, he's, that- he's yeah the um, the Kyle MacLachlan character. You know, yeah. no Heineken. Heineken, fuck that shit. Pops Blue Ribbon, and then like, and and it's supposed to. It's meant to show that the Frank Booth character is, you know, maybe a little bit of a wild card and some foreshadowing for things to come. But yeah. Anyway, because I reckon I reckon I heard that first in the Mr. Bungle album. You know, as a kid. Oh, <laughs> and then, that's and right. Then, yeah, and then of a course. few years later, watched the film, and my mind just went, Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, Mr. Bungle just got a little cooler. You know? Right, right. <laughs> uh, yeah, and it's and it's something where I don't know, like the culture of like I'm going to drink this t- 
terrible beer and I am doing it both ironically and unironically at the same it blows my mind. I don't get it. <laughs> yeah. Let's put it that way. Yeah. You get into too many layers of irony. Yeah, exactly. It's like I don't even know. I don't even know if I'm into this anymore. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. So why why don't we this is a very compelling conversation and and don't get me wrong i'm sure the fans are loving it but let's talk about this record you made man like you would normally be on tour well gearing up to tour we uh, would actually be you, it's, you'd be out it's now. tuesday here now yeah tomorrow yeah. we we should um if it weren't for someone eating a bat or whatever uh we should have been um in geelong with um your friends whores actually yep. that's right yeah so that's um that's a bummer because I really wanted to see them. Uh, yeah, and the album tour is off, like everyone else's album tour is off, um, and it's pretty frustrating. I mean, we've got a better situation than most. Um, Jason and I, because there's only two of us. Oh yeah, fuck. I guess the the rules are different everywhere. Okay, but in Australia now, um, the rule is you basically can't do anything with more than two people. Oh, um, interesting. Okay. So you, if you have a family or a household, I should say, a household can leave the house, um, but I can't even go and visit my mum. Um, oh, that's uh, wild. Te- technically. Um, and, yeah, and I can go. I live with my girlfriend. We can walk around and do whatever we want, but technically if we bump into someone, we can't, you know, have a stop and chat. And I, oddly enough, yesterday actually was the first time someone, some dickhead, just he's just lost his shit at us, you know, because we bumped into a friend and we were talking on the footpath, mm-hmm. and it was kind of it was kind of a good example of oh man, this is really starting to, you know, this is starting to hit people in different ways because he really he was really unpleasant and um, unnecessarily so, but Jason and I can still rehearse because we found a space where we can be um three meters apart which is the, the, <laughs> the rule um Excellent. and and it's a recording studio that we a, a friend of ours runs here and the funny thing is i think he might be the only one like this in australia at the moment but it's a recording studio that's entirely analog i mean he's um oh wow okay. kind of a bit of an bit of an eccentric dude so it's literally there's no if you make an album there um which we haven't done yet. We have recorded for someone else, but uh, all you get at the end of it is a is a reel to reel tape, you know. Um, oh, so it's like how no, studios no, used to be pre Pro Tools and all that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, so, but the, obviously the thing is, he doesn't have any work now because he can't do he can't do mixing work because he would normally do that with with the band present. Um, so yeah, we can still rehearse, and that's really fun and. Uh, we, I guess we launched the record ourselves, just, just to ourselves. <laughs> and, which, um, which is not an uncommon thing to do. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. We, I mean, yeah, shit, I've, I've done that before. So. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, it, it, al- it almost always feels like that, actually, until things get going. Well, there was actually, on this tour, I have to say, you know, there's always these little things, aren't there, that as much as it's... Um, frustrating what's going on there's also these moments that really make you smile and we had a show because you know it was probably the same over for you guys but everything was just changing so rapidly yeah um that no one knew what to do and you had this crazy thing going on where venues were 
trying to do the right thing, but also trying to keep themselves alive. And right. so, so what happened here was certain, um, certain businesses, like certain industries got told you have to shut down. You're not, um, you're not essential. Um, but that in a way was a relief for them because they went, okay, well, there's nothing we can do. And for the most part, um, you know, we, we've got a better system here for, um, unemployment. So, you know, people have been able to say, all right, I'm closing down whatever it is. Um, and then they can apply for, you know, payments from, um, from the government. Um, but the bars didn't get that at first. So, uh, yeah, they were sort of trying to hang on to shows. And, um, what was the first rule? The first rule was no gathering of more than a hundred. Right. Um, <laughs> which and, which <laughs> is always like, oh, well, that would be a very uh, optimistic viewpoint of how that show would turn out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, and, and the venue that we'd booked for this particular show in Canberra was that their capacity is exactly a hundred. So that was fine. Um, but then of course, other shows around it started canceling. Um, so uh, that meant that, uh, yeah, actually, that was the same weekend. We should have been playing with Wars in Sydney. Anyway, the, just the funny thing is, the thing that just really, really made me just smile, you know, we have played over the years and in other bands, we've played so many shows to, to no one. Um, I've played shows where even the sound engineer leaves and you, you just, <laughs> you just, you finish, you finish the show with, you know, just you on stage. Yeah. And um, that doesn't, bother me is the only reason it bothers me is that um you know we don't have it's not sustainable money wise and i don't like to go to a venue and be the band that you know cost them money yeah it feels um, bad because no one turned up so anyway the the um booker of the venue just emailed me and he said oh because they'd brought in another rule that was um one person per four square meters um, which, of course, just meant pr- that meant pretty much every venue yeah. was, was as out. There's just the, the odd venue that could still sort of make it work. Anyway, so he emailed me and he said, um, just letting you know that the uh, with the new rules, the um, capacity for your show, um, inclusive of, you know, band members and staff, will probably be around 12 to 15 people max. Um you know, just letting you know so you can make an informed decision if you still want to go ahead. And uh, <laughs> I just wrote back and I said, I said, I, I'm just so thankful that you gave us that option. Like, honestly, personally, we would happily play a show to 10 people. Right. We really would. But it's not, you know, it's not going to be worth your while to open. But it was just so nice that he, yeah, gave, he gave still gave option. us the option. I mean, yeah. unless you have, like, access to, you know, whatever the down under equivalent of, like, Dodger Stadium is and you can just you know fill it with like 50 people but have them each be in their own bleacher section or something along those lines is not really a sustainable model no and i thought of these things like like the first time we toured the u.s was you know it was pretty rough and um there was a couple of great shows along the way that you know i guess kind of they keep you going you know yep. between the the shitty ones and you know just like uh every every version of something horrible that you can imagine that I'm sure you've experienced yourself, you know, getting, I have no idea what you're talking about, (laughs) (laughs) you know, 
you know, people just fucking going crazy and breaking stuff at venues and yeah. whatever, and, you know, just horrible sleeping conditions. Anyway, but the first time we played in Austin was at, um, oh, now I'm, I can't remember the, I think it was called Red 7. Oh, yeah, Red 7. I yep. don't know if that, that, yeah, yeah. Actually, and, Christ, that's a... Uh... It's called something different now, but that's the place we just played there in um, February. It was like one of the last shows we did. Um, oh, okay, cool. Well, it was, I don't know if it's still the same, but it had an outdoor It's stage. called Barracuda. Yes, it's called Barracuda now, and that's where we played with Tongue Party. Uh, oh, beautiful. Yeah, outside those. stage with no toilet. So you still have to go inside to, <laughs> to use yeah, the toilet, that, which never made any sense to me. That outside area is huge, yeah? Yes. And it's like a big, a big stage is up high. So, yeah, we played this show, and... I don't know. I think in that whole area, there might have been four people watching. I, I, I don't know. Maybe maybe more, maybe less. All I know is, you know, we finished the set and we thought, ah, oh, you know, like, um, we always have a good time if we're playing. Like, that's... that's the, but right. Anyway, these three guys were just at the very front and just, you know, yelling at me, like, you know, come over, come over, and... Um, you know, I went and said hello, and they just said, I can't believe that you guys came. We were, like, we've waited so long, and, like, we'd only been a band for six months. And I was like, hey, how do you even know who we are? And um, I was like, well, this is a great, great show. And then and then the manager paid us a whole bunch of money because he watched us play and said, hey, I, I know no one was here, here, but you guys did a really good job. And, right. You know, so what I, all I mean is for us, we've never – thought uh, a show needs to have a lot of people in order for it to be good well yeah it's it's the it's the high quality low quantity thing that you know tends tends to happen a lot of times and and yeah i mean since we're being even more conversational in this show is normally like that's with my old with my old band replicator it used to be like i think it took us like four or five times to play in chicago before we had a decent show but yeah we had you know, there's a couple friends that always would be there and would make it worthwhile. And it's like when one of them happens to be in a band you really enjoy too. It's like that can kind of carry you through the, uh, the the darker times of being like, okay, no, this was this is okay. We're planting seeds. We're building something. You know. Yeah, and sometimes I mean, I I can't lie. Very few times in my life have I played a show where there's a lot of people and they're clearly excited to see my band play and right. I, I i i can't lie when that happens it's awesome no it's, it's, it's yeah it's and, nice work if you can get it right <laughs> and, and you you sort of feel like you look down at your hands and you go shit they're playing the drums for me like like yeah. all this energy just comes and every time that's happened to me i think wow is this how easy it is if you're in a band you know like um any band like helmet or whatever you know like a band where they know that the room's going to be full when they play you know like i'm like this is so easy but because that's not the norm for us because we've played mainly to um you know uh yeah smaller crowds or maybe crowds that are a little bit more um like uh they haven't decided yet you know is it cool to like these guys or not we have developed us as a way of playing that's more about it sometimes those shows you know when there's only one person it almost actually inspires you more because you think we know how hard it is to be that one person standing on your own 
Oh, you sure. Know, like, yeah, absolutely. And, and Making yourself look we big. Appreci- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and we appreciate it. And, it, you know, like if I look back at like oh, my favorite shows, you know, that I've played. Yeah. Okay. Some of them are a couple of total fests where it was just packed and like, uh, um, uh, why not and why not fest in mm-hmm. North Dakota where yeah. we're playing to a, a packed room. But honestly, one time we played in Olympia in a pretty small place. Uh, I forgot the name. The only person watching was Joe Preston. Right. And I just, yeah. you know, and I, and I was it the boy here? Um, it was a place, uh, I think it was actually. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was going to say that small, sounds like the boy here. Yeah. And I, I just sat down and I had, I was like, all right, Jim, you can go two ways here. You can get really, really, really nervous because Joe Preston's watching or you can just go, fuck man, I'm playing a show to Joe like this, you know, and I just played, I just played the best show that I could, you know, and I was so, so stoked at the end of it because I was like, I, I know I just gave Joe the best show that I could do today, you know, like, right. And that's, that's as exciting for me anyway, as playing to a, a room full of people. Yeah. Well, and, and that, and that's something where, when there's a level of effort, you know, if you're doing it within like 10 miles of your home <laughs> versus doing it, you know, in a, in a different country, you know, the, yeah, the, the yeah. stakes are a little different. But that but that said, the winds can be a little more intense also like it. And you have the experience of, you know, you're oh, you get to <laughs> you get to go eat dirt in a new country. Hooray. <laughs> yeah. And, but then the, the mean, moments I, that make it worthwhile make it worthwhile, which is the point. Totally. And our experience of playing in the States definitely has been people are um, much more, uh, I mean, we, you know, we, we, we love a lot of Aussie bands and we're proud of, you know, the, the history of um, music from here and stuff, but it's definitely musically Australia is a much more conservative place. Right. Um, And there's just less, there's, you know, we've got a 10th of the population, so we've got less you know, less scenes within scenes. And we just find when we go to the U S people are not, they're not, um, bothered by the fact that we don't quite fit into a category that they seem to embrace that more. Whereas here it's more like people will maybe like us despite the fact that we don't fit in, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and it's partly, I always forget if this is a saying that is exclusive to it. But do you have the term in the U.S. "tall poppy syndrome"? Like, is that a what? I don't think I've heard that before. Say it again. Oh, okay. No, it must be an Australian thing, though. So we have a, a common term here called the "tall poppy syndrome," and it okay. refers to you uh, metaphorically. I guess you have a, a field of poppies growing, yeah. And if one <laughs> of them tries, if one of them tries to grow taller than the other you cut it down because it's you saying, Hey, hey, don't be, don't try and stand out, you know? I see. And Australia, Australia is really big on that because our, our history of music is bands like ACDC and it's, it's, it's music to drink to. Mm -hmm. Um, right. And not the other way around. Like it's, it's not, um, it's not so much a culture of, uh, you know, well, you can experiment. You can be, you can, you can be as weird as you want. And, and bands manage to sort of find a way through like the hard ons, you know, they, they manage to do weird stuff and some somehow get away with it, but it's because they have enough songs that are, you know, just a great pop song as well. So we've always struggled a bit with that here where we're, um, yeah. 
because because we don't quite fit in people see that here is a bit like oh you do you think you're special you know right um, yeah yeah and, and that's something where like they look you know it's <laughs> an experiment of mine used to call it slavic logic like it's okay for my cow to die as long as your cow dies too yes yeah yeah and um definitely yeah, before anyone gets too sensitive on me, like he's a slob, so that's that's that, that's it. That's him talking. That's not me. That's his saying. Uh, but the... no, I, I kind of figured that. <laughs> <laughs> but the um, yeah, the, the, and that does exist. But it's 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 certainly more. I think there's especially with the internet the way it is now. It's 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 easier to find your tribe than ever, and. I think that that's incredibly useful. I think the there is still if you're looking to do something at a larger level, you still have the same problems of being like they're gonna want to okay which you know which sorting hat do you go into? Is it this one or that one? Yes, yeah. <laughs> right. Are, that, are you a rock band? A point, are you a noise actually, band? Yeah. Metal yeah. band? Which you know what is this? And if if the answer is not yeah. like a, a clear like elevator pitch, you know. 20 character answer then people are like i already have i'm paying attention to something else now (laughs) yeah i see what you mean actually you're right it's like there's a ceiling to that underground world where okay up until this point we can all just be freaks and get along yeah uh and that's what we like about each other but then you see other bands like like red fang or something maybe punch through and then they have to kind of almost um yeah, then they then they become a bit more limited as to yeah what they can do maybe. Right, and so, and Red Fang's yeah. a fantastic example because all those guys <clears throat> played in in bands that were more you know noisier, crazier, you know academically yeah. uh, challenging or what whatever. But you know, I saw last the one eaters play in somebody's kitchen in Oakland, and you know, well, like me and twelve other people. That, <laughs> yeah, and I loved that was the band that made me. So our our connection to the US, the way we sort of um, got there in the first place, was through Wantage. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, and basically I was probably just out of high school and discovered big business, um, you know, just through luck, really. I bought an LP, looked at the back cover, oh, you know, what's this label? Started buying stuff off Josh. And then I bought a um, Last of the Winitas 12-inch, and I was just like, oh, fuck, this is like my band. So then I sent him a, um, a copy of my band at the time. Uh, we were drums and two basses, and we didn't sing or anything, so it was a bit more experimental. And um, amazingly, Josh, to my surprise, said, yeah, yeah, cool, I'll, I'll release it, um, which I was just stoked about, which is why it's so cool that now this album we've just put out now is back on so Wantage put out the first dead record which is nearly 10 years ago now um and now he's putting out the new one and it's 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 really awesome for us yes he he as a label is just just kind of perfect for us yeah and he doesn't i mean he it's it's not not that he ever was cranking things out like a like an assembly line or anything but he's he's certainly slowed the number of releases in recent years i mean supreme just been the whip and you guys <laughs> for for like the last the last uh you know epoch of time and that's something where you know you know what is, what's the ultimate quality bro was that the the saying <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. and it was it was something that was very appreciative you know like when the like when the hits omnibus came out 
and Replicator was asked to be on it, which was like, oh, it's, you know, it's like us and Las Juanitas and the fucking champs and like every band that plays noise rock from the Eastern Bloc. Okay, cool. Yeah. You know. <laughs> it was like, oh, sure. Sounds great. <laughs> I'm in. Yeah. Let's do it. Uh, and, and that guy is, Josh is definitely, I always refer to his type of person as, you know, he's, he's the person that kind of makes things happen in his area of the world. And it's always so nice when you are able to find that person and your interests align in such a way that you can, you know, make these deep abiding friendships and connections, especially across the world. I mean, I'm I'm just talking about from a few states away, but <laughs> I can only <laughs> imagine. <laughs> uh, what was I going with that? Oh, yeah, the new record. Yeah, let's actually talk about that. Unless you want to, you know, start talking about wildlife again. We can, you know, <laughs> rattle on about that some more. You heard the show. You know how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you got Creston on a, uh, on a, on a song, ripping a guitar solo. That's cool. Um, yeah, that was it's like a little it's like a little birthday present or something, you know. <laughs> like, yeah, he's he's a, he's okay at that guitar. Skills, it's all right. <laughs> he's very very good at it. Yeah, very skilled. Um, yeah. And you've got a few other guests. I think you got uh, Joe Preston on uh, the really the really the long one at the end. What's what's that? Uh, follow the breathing. <laughs> yeah, so that one has Joe on synth in one channel and then in the other channel Vern from prize hog um she played synth uh sort of after joe so basically we got joe to do his first and then we sent that to Vern, and then she sort of played you know off off of him yeah Yeah. and um and then there's a guy it's a good in it's a good in song for a record yeah well it was you know there's something about I think because we you know we play drums and bass so they're very um and we don't use you know loop pedals or delays much or um octaves or anything like that so our sound is fairly organic so there's something about we love we've put Vern on as many records as we possibly can but we kind of have to use her a bit sparingly because it's sort of like once you throw in a synth you go whoa there's a synth like it's yeah it changes the vibe, so I like to um, just like to be mindful of that in in how we use it. Yeah. Well, and did you have you taken any notes from like other bands that have done that? You know, I, I guess what I'm thinking of specifically, Big Business, I felt had used both guitar and synth sparingly, and not to the point that it was like overpowering or like a definitive thing within most of the songs, but used it to the point of. You know, there's records and there's live, and the records don't necessarily have to sound exactly like what it sounds like live also, and that's okay. Yeah, well, we do a bit of both. Um, I think, uh, I mean, I've been making albums. I I, I was lucky to start pretty young. So I I started playing drums when I was 12, Mm -hmm. and within about three months, I think, I had a band. And I've never not had a band since, and I've never had a break. And I've, you know, just that's that's been what I've done my whole life, and everything else has worked around it to, you know, much to the detriment of relationships and <laughs> um, fi- finances and stuff. But that's just it's, I can't. It's, this is what I do. I, I just love it. It's a common but, tale, yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I think by the time Dead started. Yeah, I released my first album when I was 15, 
And Jesus. when Dead started, <laughs> when Dead started, I was in my twenties already. So I, you know, I'd released a few, and I, and I'd already played in a band. I, Dead would be my third drum and bass, you know, two piece band. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd had had a lot of experience with, you know, that sort of sonically. So yeah, we don't try to make an album sound exactly like it would be live because the thing that struck me many many years ago was well you literally can't move that much air through a home stereo so um someone like jace the way he plays bass a big part of his sound is um you know is the fact that your chest rumbles when he plays right you feel Uh, it you you feel it as much as you hear it but what we have done is often for the fact that we don't have a lot of money and we do like to make we write a lot of music so we we've um released a lot of records in a short space of time we will often say you know most of this album we're just going to play it live because that's that's what we know how to do quickly we don't have the time to be like the beatles or pink floyd or something and you know spend a day crafting sound so we do a bit of both um as far as the what you mentioned about the synths and the technology and stuff one thing i will say from the beginning okay because dead started sort of sort of in a moment of um not desperation but jason and i had a, a band before dead where he played guitar and another guy played bass and jace wrote all the music and it was much um much more it was like a kind of killing joke sort of um, post-punk kind of thing. Okay. Um, much more um, much more straightforward. And um, I actually didn't know that Jace could play bass. And I sort of suspected he couldn't because I don't usually like it when a guitarist plays bass. But um, I then learned many years later that actually Jace was a bass player playing guitar. All right. So <laughs> well, there you we, go. We, we, we started dead and... Um, there was a whole lot of... Oh, are you still there? I am, yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. We started dead, and um, we talked a lot about oh, how are we going to approach this, and we actually had a couple of rehearsals with a noise musician, and we were thinking more along the kind of man is the bastard stuff. Um, and then Jace had a whole lot of... He had like um, like a kind of, like a whammy pedal sort of thing, I think. And, and I just know that early on, I just felt like... Um, my priority was all right there's a lot of two pieces now um and you know the it's a different time for i know from speaking to vaz you know they said when they started no one knew what to do with them so they would just kind of get lumped in with the white stripes and <laughs> yeah oh, there's, there's two of them so, and, and just throw them in with that band that's fine <laughs> yeah and so we, we were starting a two-piece you know post lightning bolt post vaz post big business um you know, post Black Cobra world, and I just said to Jace, the thing that I really want to do is not rely on those machines. Um, so I don't want to use loop pedals, really. Um, there was no, there's never a rule. Like Dead will do anything once at least, but right, basically right. said, let's let, let's not rely on this this kind of. Um, approach that some bands seem to do of like, hey, I'm going to trick you into thinking there's more people here than there is. Um, because like, like I said, I'd played in 
two pieces already and none of them had used much in the way of technology or multiple apps or anything and I just always had a it's like there is an intensity about actually hearing two human beings like work their ass off to make a sound yeah, absolutely and we kind of liken it to the way I like to play the drums it's a little bit like you're um like you're running downhill just a bit too fast you know and it and it <laughs> right and at, at any moment you might fall flat on your face and if you do it is so obvious like you don't have there's no cover if, it, there's no cover so i mean you yeah. know jace plays through one amplifier um and you know and he used to play through two and when he switched to one i was like oh i don't know about this but then i was you know, and I got to fucking, I've got to learn my lesson because every time I doubt Jace, I, I'm always wrong. It just takes about a week for me to realize. But then about, you know, one show later, I realized, fuck, actually, his tone's gotten even more intense now because it doesn't have, doesn't have that sort of. This is getting really nerdy, I know, but it doesn't have that sort of phasing issue, you know, that you get. You've you've heard the lamps. show. It's fine, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. And um, and it's just it's more intense in that intimate way it's like oh this is more um mm, okay yeah and and i love i love you know i've seen lightning bolt i love them big business one of my favorite bands um and absolutely love vaz and uh although vaz are pretty pretty raw as well but for us personally we it just seems like oh that's a little gap that we can we can be the two-piece heavy band that you know, doesn't have a loop pedal doesn't have an octava doesn't um and it's just a bit more it's kind of like marrying our love of bands like Motorhead and ACDC and stuff like that. Yeah. That super, like, super raw, and we kind of try and do our experimental stuff within that um, restriction, if that makes sense. Well, yeah, yeah. It, it seems like very much it comes from from that same place of, you know, the big heavy rock. You know, you, you've invoked Lemmy's name, so we can mention Motorhead. Uh, praise be he. And... <laughs> It, it does kind of ride that line between those two worlds where you have the more, you know, for lack of a better term, uh, noise rock two piece stuff, but there's specifically something with the bass that it's kind of, there are certain tropes that, that happen within there and they usually come from like, Oh, they're doing the lightning bolt thing or, Oh, they're doing the big business thing and cool. Yeah. And it's very, it's very, unique to see anybody even try anything that different with it because i think the idea of just you know trying to again fill up so much space with just the two people it's it's almost like you know just sticking the landing is, is gonna make you feel like <laughs> you're doing something yeah. worthwhile and, and often is uh, as as well because it, it's certainly not for the faint of heart uh to be sure but the non-reliance on technology is i think something that certainly sets you guys apart from one of the other types of bands that would, that would try to work in the same area. And it, it's interesting. That it is an aesthetic choice because especially as technology has evolved, you know, loopers are, I mean, it's insane to me how good loopers are and how easy they are to utilize. Whereas, you know, when I was using some degree of regularity, it's sort of like, Nope, if you if you if you're a quarter second off, like hitting these buttons, you're screwed. You just screwed up the song, Chucky. And yeah, <laughs> which led to an, a certain element of like, all right, let's try this out. And the fact that you don't 
have and the the pejorative view in this case would be like younger bands don't have to even concern themselves with that they can just kind of band in a box it and you know get it right one time you never need to worry about it again just push the thing and there and off it goes whereas where you guys are, are doing your thing it, it's like there's a real element of danger to it like it's sort of like the whole mcgillah could fall apart at, at you know a moment's notice and yeah it's it's almost like it almost makes the live show more entertaining because there's there's like real stakes and it isn't even just like you know the songs are good and you know there's hooks and there, there's you know there's songs it isn't just noising out but it, it's the, the idea that the whole <laughs> the whole the whole uh, junk cart could just like you know <laughs> crash apart at any minute uh mindset without it being an actual yeah. junk cart absolutely and that's um I'm, i mean i'm really it, it means a lot to me that you even hear that in it because for us that's um yeah it's sort of it goes back to it's funny when we started um you know the main thing people would say to us is sort of like it's like they thought that we couldn't find a third person <laughs> but like, i know a guy i know a guy with a guitar oh you do huh yeah, fascinating and and then um <laughs> And then reviewers or whatever were again, and honestly, I think at times it has worked in our favour, particularly here in Australia, because we are two um, small people. Like we're, you know, um, we're, we're as tall as um, as some Americans are wide, and um, <laughs> and and I'm dwarfed by uh, by my drum kit because um, I play a fairly large kit, and I, I honestly think people are often just impressed um that you know about the power to weight ratio like wow you know they're 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 obviously working really hard um you know good on them and it does work in our favor but um i was gonna say oh yeah the thing that a lot of people forget often when when you're playing a two-piece i mean for me there's nothing more um uh like a power trio is so strong you know it's really really easy to be dynamic to be heavy to you can sort of achieve so much with a power trio and then when you go to a two-piece yes there are a lot of limitations there are a lot of things that you can't do anymore but what people don't think about is we do also have little there's maybe less of them but there's little worlds that we can explore that only a two-piece can do you know so we can mess with tempo live and it's fine you know, um, because there isn't that third person going, what the fuck, yeah, what, what are you guys, guys doing? doing? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, you know, we can just look at each other and um, there are, yeah, there are strengths to a two-piece. I mean, I grew up playing in a six-piece band and our songs were up to 40, 50 minutes long and it was all massive dynamics and mainly influenced by, like, Pink Floyd, Funkadelic, um Hendrix that sort of stuff um so I kind of still feel in a way and, and I grew up you know learning to play through improvisation so I still feel in a way that my natural place to be is in a big group of people and being a part of a you know like part of a, a larger ensemble um so the two-piece thing still kind of I find challenging and that's what I like about it but yeah there's there's just little things that we can do that any two-piece can do I should say that 
often I just think you know like focus on the donut not the hole like there's there's <laughs> right, plenty exactly. of there's plenty for us to explore and we're still exploring it and we're you know the 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 bigger thing now is all right how do we we've made a lot of noise before how do we um how do we get more melodic how do we sing better because I I never sang until this band and um you know just the physical uh, there are certain songs where I just say to Jace I can't I can't do it I can't play this drum pattern and sing properly at the same time i'm not um you know whitney houston or whatever i don't have that <laughs> in terms of that lung capacity you yeah. know like to, well that, so that that's, that's a discipline of a different us. kind and that that requires a different muscle set uh literally yeah, exactly. it literally and figuratively and yeah. you know a lot of bands never really get there too and especially within the limited confines of the uh, genre known as noise rock you know there's a reason why Conan Neutron the Secret Friends has the sticker now that's what I call dudes yelling because that's <laughs> that's kind of what a lot of these bands do and it's 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 easy enough to do and it's considered acceptable within the paradigm and a lot of people yeah, exactly. are totally that's okay with reason. that yeah that's another reason we like doing it because there's almost you know we play a lot of shows where we're um you know, where the other bands are all kind of just maybe less dynamic than us, so they, they tend to be all other loud bands. And, I mean, I tell you what, there's nothing, if you want to make people uncomfortable, you just quieten down and sing a harmony, and you watch... <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you, watch, you, watch, you watch how awkward it is for people, you know? And we love that stuff. And, and what's really fun about that stuff is how different it can be. We, a couple of tours back, had a song that we would normally put somewhere in the middle of the set that essentially just just wore its way down to, to silence. And um, I really enjoy that stuff because I get to practice playing as quietly as I can, you know, and um, and that's like a, a different sort of skill set. And But we toured Europe um, with this band from Norway called Mo, who are amazing. Oh, yeah, yeah I'm familiar toured, with them, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and we'd never toured Europe before, so we didn't know what to expect. Anyway, every time we got to that section where we just go silent, it just didn't matter, particularly in France, it didn't matter how long it went on for. Everyone stood there and waited because they're all, you know, they're used to this. And we started to think, fuck, like, what's what's wrong here? Like, it doesn't feel right. Anyway, then we got back to Australia and brought Mo with us and toured around Australia. And holy fuck, like, that same piece of music, or if you will, non-music, was so different and we had people we had people getting so angry and starting <laughs> fights with us and ju- just pleading like just play some fucking music you know like it was first of all weird. how dare you yeah <laughs> it was so interesting and and we're like yes yes so that's what we're used to we're like that's that's what we thought was going to happen in the first place but these these damn europeans were too cultured and too <laughs> they're too into know, like, nuance like, over there what's the deal yeah and so yeah so our sound kind of comes from the fact of where we live as well that we know um you know we've traditionally had to make a lot of noise just to you know, just to be noticed, because when when I started playing as a kid, and I did play music that was much more dynamic, we constantly had people, um, you know, trying to get, just getting so angry at how 
this music is too slow. This music is it's taking too long to go anywhere. And so I think dead from the beginning, we sort of started off with like, fuck it, let's just, let's just blast everyone. Um, and now we've sort of started to settle down and, um, yeah, but th this album that we've just released is actually a bit of a, for us, it's the first album we've done in a while. That's, um, a bit more straight ahead to us anyway. It's, um, right. Yeah. Yeah, so and of course we're talking about raving drooling and this is uh, yeah. I played remorse earlier. Okay. So yeah, remorse is like to me that that sums up. That's why we put it first. That sums up the album. It has a little little element of everything that's going to happen. Right. And um, we deliberately said so. We we usually have about three albums on the go, like whether they're in our heads or partly recorded. So we have a another album 90% recorded um, but not mixed um, after this one uh, so what we tend to do when we're writing an album is uh, Jace is the main songwriter and he just he just keeps writing you know if you give him a couple of days he'll write you know an album's worth of songs and then I sort of steer them into where I think they should go so this album Raving Drooling was the album where I said I just want it to be a bit more like our take on a an Unsane record or a Motorhead record or an ACDC record or those albums that are a bit more, you know, we don't want experimental, we don't need to put experimental interludes or anything, we're just going to... But then, of course, like everything, it didn't work out that way anyway because you flip the record over and side B's, it, it all goes weird anyway. <laughs> it's it's um, still going to turn out the way it's going to turn out because it's you guys and... Yeah, you're doing you're you're doing you. You know, a while back you you mentioned harmonies and that made me think about your uh, collaborations with Toshi Toshi Kasai, yes, uh, friend of the show, and um, actually tomorrow's no day after tomorrow's guest. Oh, Jesus, I can't keep any keep track of any of this. And uh, for wore the uh, Captains of the Void record specifically, I was thinking of which was uh, what 2015 something like that. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. It's um we've done three oh no yeah we've released two albums that we recorded with Toshi and then we've got a third one that we actually recorded here in Australia um but we haven't released it yet. Well, I remember one of the yeah. one of them. One of them, I think you were you were tracking like either like we were like right before or right after you or something along those lines. It was like right around the same time. I didn't know you at the time. Yeah, which is extremely narrow casted conversation for a uh, for a medium <laughs> that's already incredibly narrow casted, but. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that's basically a comment for Dale and for Toshi, I think, and Tony. But anyway, uh yeah. but you guys have worked with Toshi before. Uh he's very you know, well known for his good use of, of harmony and um mm. and having a, a real ear for not accepting tomfoolery when it comes to uh vocals and things along the, those lines as well. And how do you feel with dealing with someone like Toshi? Uh, how do you feel like, first of all, in, in a general, because you, you've worked with different folks and you've done different kinds of recordings with different styles of material, what do you feel like the relationship between producer and artist is when it regards to what you're doing in Dead? Start with that. Um, well, what I try to do, and it did take me a little while to learn this, I have to admit. So the first two albums we recorded 
with a friend of ours, um, Neil Thomason, and that was we recorded them both here in Australia in a um, fairly analog studio, like a purpose-built studio, um, and you know with a, a nice drum tracking room and all of that. And he would refer to himself, Neil, I would say as you know he's more of that school of thought of he's an engineer, not mm. a producer. Right. Um, and that's a whole other conversation for me that I go down a philosophical wormhole because I think, well, it doesn't matter what you do, you're still interpreting the band somehow, you know. Um, then the third album, Captains of Industry, we made with um, Toshi, and it was a real learning curve because um, a lot was different. For example, we couldn't be there when he mixed it, um, so I just had to send him notes and... Um, I'm, I'm usually really hands-on with the mixing. So with Raving Drooling, I mixed the whole record myself through the engineer. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I was the producer, if you will. Um, but what I eventually learned, I think after the first album we did with Toshi was, um, which sounds so obvious and I should have known it from the beginning, but every recording engineer has their, their strengths and their kind of their biases, like the, the areas that they're more interested in or something. And for us, it's important to work with that rather than against it. So the first album we made with Toshi was pretty hard work and I'm still happy with it, but it's it didn't sound the way that we thought it was going to sound because we made the mistake of what we did was we went on tour and then we... Um, finished the tour and then went straight into the studio with him and we just smashed it out as hard as we could like we were playing live mm -hmm. and that's not really making the best use of Toshi's skills because like you said then then I learned oh hang on what this guy's really good at is crazy layers you know um pulling out instruments that you wouldn't have expected um he's the only person we've worked with that I would actually describe as a producer um you know, everyone else we've worked with is an engineer and they won't tell us, you know, that, hey, I think you can do a better vocal take. Um, so with Toshi... I right, learned, they're coming out from the more Steve Albini school of thought, of which is to say that it's not my place to tell you whether something is good or bad necessarily. Like, I'm, you know, calling balls and strikes, <laughs> so to speak. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think that um, I don't really understand that um, approach personally because that makes sense for for us where you know jace is a bass player i'm a drummer yeah we we get that stuff right like we practice it and then we go into the studio and then we know exactly what we've done and if we need to fix anything and personally because i'm a big fan of drummers like um crover and john bonham and um bruford from king crimson of course i yeah. ev ev every album i've ever made has massive drumming mistakes all over it and i just i just let them go but with vocals it's like nah man if you if you record a harmony flat mm. it just it just sounds bad yeah it's it better doesn't... not to do a harmony than do a bad harmony for sure I think. yeah <laughs> so with with toshi um he's really like when we work with him and the next one the one that we haven't released yet is a pop record because we just said to Toshi, we'd, you know, we changed, I used like a 60s drum kit and everything, we changed all our tones and we went to something 
you know, we weren't trying to be as brutal as possible. And uh, I just, when we work with Toshi, I just say to him, you know, you got to tell me like, all right, I'll have a crack at a harmony. You tell me if it's good or not. You know, you tell me if I should try a different one. And he's really, really good. I mean, I think this is a skill of his that is massively, um, it's hugely valuable. And I don't think um, maybe you couldn't value it enough, but I, you know, I think he could be a producer getting paid five times as much for the fact that he is so good at, he knows what you really can and can't do. <laughs> so, you know, you've heard, we, we've both worked with him. He tells you, you know, double that, double that. I think you can do better. Oh yeah. Um, and sometimes he does that cheeky thing where he says, I'll just say this word. I'll just say that word. Oh, I just say that line, and what he's really gotten you to do is redo the whole thing. Yeah, just, just piece by piece, bits. and then you piece it together, exactly. And then, <laughs> and then, and you know, and there's been times where I'm thinking, shit, man, I'm paying this guy, and he's just watching the baseball, you know, like, but every fucking time he picks it, he goes, Jace, you're flat on the, you know, second line of the, and I'm just like, fuck. It's almost like he's, you know, for him, what I love about working with Toshi is he um for him it's a joy you know like it's the the joy that someone like you or i might get from playing a live show that's what he gets from crafting something in the studio and he just has the you know the only time that um the thing that i need to balance a bit sometimes is for us you know sometimes you've got a song it might have been that you started writing it three years before you've actually you know tracked it and you've got maybe particular ideas about what you wanted to do in it. And he's just going crazy, just grabbing, you know, oh, here's a recorder or here's a harmonica or whatever, you know, like, and sometimes I have to go, oh, no, 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 no. Like, that's not the direction I wanted to <laughs> right. go in. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because he's, he's looking at, like, here's the canvas to paint on, you know. and Yeah. But it's so, like, every time we record with him, by far the most fun part is at the end when you sort of, you've got everything done this is another thing that i think virtually every recording engineer is not credited enough for in this day and age their job is to manage time more than anything right like make sure you're not spending time on things that don't matter yeah and and every you know like bands like us we're trying to create an album that probably should be done in 10 days and we're trying to do it in three you know Um, so, but every time we finish a recording with Toshi and he knows, okay, we've got everything, you know, we've got everything down. That's when it gets fun because you start recording bottles of water or, you know, just anything that sounds cool. And that for me is, that's how I learned to play music, uh, from an experimental place. And I, my early bands were more about sound than they were about songs um, just, you know, what sound can we make our instruments make? And so I really, really love that. But basically... Speaking of sounds, kind of you got, it sounds like you got a creature in the background that's trying to get on mic. <laughs> some, some uh, yeah. It's um, every every second bird in Australia sounds like a pterodactyl. <laughs> um, it's I. It took me a long time to realize that because when we tour anywhere else, um, except for maybe Southeast Asia, it always freaks us out how quiet it is yeah and it's because um other animals in the in the uh, in most of the world at least in europe and america are not as loud um yeah so that's sorry there's a whole lot of cockatoos right, right there. <laughs> well and, and that's 
it's 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 funny that you mentioned that too because with sound sound bands versus song bands that's something that i've i don't think i opine about it on the show necessarily because that's not what the show is but i'm certainly acutely aware of it uh, and have my own predilections that for me i think a a good sound band is usually a good live experience but generally speaking i don't want to listen to the records that much but if a band that has a good sound also has good songs then that's something that's going to keep me coming back uh personally speaking personally not everyone always feels the same uh oh yeah well i mean i think a good song is kind of uh it's a little more hardy like a a good song kind of remains a good song you know forever um so you can you know, I I, know, I love the Beatles. Um, you know, I like the Bee Gees. I like uh, the Beach Boys. Uh, and if you grab a good song, it's it's still good. You know, thirty, forty, fifty years later. Uh, personally, like my first band, oh no, my second band, where we tended just to make these kind of sound pieces. Um, now, when I look back on some of it, I go, I have no idea why we wrote that <laughs> like it doesn't it doesn't I, i'm not saying that i don't like it i'm just saying it literally makes no sense to me because it made sense to us at the time because we said oh let's do that for 13 bars and then we'll go to this and then you'll yeah, just yeah. you know then you'll just tap your base with this thing for a while and and it all makes sense at the time um and i still love that stuff in fact i'm about to tomorrow start making a recording for a friend of ours in New Zealand, Campbell Neal, is um, doing a a compilation of music only made during this quarantine period. Ah, uh, okay, yeah, yeah, all right. Yeah, and um, so he's in he's in New Zealand. He actually, it's a little bit um, for me. I mean, he's a friend these days, but when I first met him, he played in a or he had a project called Blackboned Angel, who. Blackbone Angel was almost the like, um, like the dirty, more blacky, um, kind of more DIY version of Sun in a way, like 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 the counterpoint to Sun. Mm, okay. Um, um, in the sense that he, where Sun used you know giant amps and all of that, he made all his albums uh, just by plugging his guitar directly into a computer. And um, anyway, uh, I always wanted to be on his label. And um, and he always said no. <laughs> and um, <laughs> and he, n- n- now he's asked now he's asked me to do this thing for this compilation he's doing, and um, I'm really excited. And I, I've got a a 44 gallon drum, like a big metal drum that I make music with, and all that is is just um, just finding sounds on it, and I just you know I just kind of play the sounds, and it's actually on it's on raving drooling that same drum, and it's on Every album we've recorded in Australia, I've, I've gotten the forty-four gallon drum in there. Nice, but you just you just don't notice it. You probably just think it's something that something you probably just it, in, in there some some overtones. It usually <laughs> sounds like feedback. Yeah, yeah. It usually right, sounds yeah. like oh, someone's someone's doing gnarly feedback. But yeah. Uh, talk to me about collective fictions. Um, that's the one with Mark D. With yeah. Mark Dutram, yeah, yes. who, uh, friend of the yep. show, uh, former guest. Well, he named that. Um, record and um, I don't know what the name uh, suggested Um, he uh, we met him in Austin actually the first time we toured the US 
we were supposed to play with his band at the time, Bell Ringer. Yeah, which um, he re- recently then, is now. They're still doing Bell Ringer, but it's it's just under, under his Mark. Name or, yeah, just yeah. under his name now. <laughs> which, which, from a marketing standpoint, probably makes more sense. But I, I did think that was a good band name, though. I like that. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy to for me to yeah. He he ended up pulling out of that show. And then I think the next time we toured the U.S., he wasn't doing anything. And then the next time we were on tour with, do you know those guys, House of Lightning? Oh, uh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so Rick, Rick, Rick from, from Torch, Torch and yeah. Hen, Henry from Floor. Um, we were on tour with them, and when we got to Austin, we met up with Mark D. And I have to say, you know, this happens to us all the time. People always say, oh, you know, don't meet your heroes or whatever. You know, Mark D is someone that both of us... Um, Jace is 12 years older than me, so he was, you know, he was into the Melvins as a as a kid when Mark D was in the band, um, and I sort of, you know, cottoned onto it later. Um, but every time we meet people like that, they're just they're just awesome, and they're really really good to us, and um, we learn a lot. And I just said to Mark, I wanted to release something of his, um, and so we ended up doing that split. Um, he, okay, so that split was part of, um, oh man, we, we just, we have so many things in our band that are really amusing to us because we just exist in our own little world, you know, right. um, when, when we're on tour, we might drive for 13 hours to get to a show and there's only the two of us. So for some reason, I thought it was really, really funny that we would put out four records and call it the trilogy, you know, mm-hmm. um, and so the split with Mark D was one of those albums and he decided he wanted it to be vinyl only, no download, none of that stuff. And I just basically said, well, who am I to argue with Mark D? Like, you know, if that's what you want to do, um, we'll do it. Um, and for that same record, I tried to, for the first time ever, use a publicist and every publicist just came back and said what dude come on you can't how am i supposed to am i supposed to public publicize an album that you won't let people hear here's a great thing here's all these great hooks for why you might care about it but you can't hear it (laughs) so we went back and forth yeah and we went back and forth with mark and i just said to mark look everyone in this industry thinks they know the answers and they're usually wrong and for all i know you're um, experiment, if you will, of wanting to do an album, you know, that is only available on vinyl, that's fine. We'll, we'll do it, you know, because, um, I think someone like him, um, and it's the same when, you know, I do something with Creston or, um, anyone that I think those people have earned the right, you know, to kind of have a crazy idea. Mm -hmm. And, um, so that's what we did. Um, but it was a hard sell. Um, and, um, it kind of, yeah, I, I, am really happy with it. I really like what Mark did. It was really, really, um, you know, exciting for me to release his music. And when basically, look, I run a record label because I play in a band, not the other way around. Like, right. Um, and we're talking about we empty rooms right now, of course. Yeah. And I, I would honestly happily have someone else do the work, um, if they wanted to, but the fact is, you know, we're, you know, um, that's just where we're at. So, 
I tend not to release other people's music unless it's um, something I really, really care about. Um, and sometimes I just, sometimes I just can't help myself. I go, I know this band's going to just lose money, but I just want more people to hear it, you know? Right. Um, and then sometimes I release stuff by the hard-ons because I know it will sell and they're good friends and they are, you know, mentors to us and great music, but I don't have to think too much with them because they will never ever stop touring and they will never stop selling records. Um, but basically with Mark D, you know, when the music turns up in your, in your inbox and you hear it for the first time, it's, it, it just gives me this rush, you know, you're like, wow, like sure, I, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't, I, I didn't know what he was going to do. And, you know, and I really respected him that he was not a rock star at all. And he turned in everything on time and, yeah, I can't really. I I just wish that I could, you know, um, what did we do? We made 200 copies and we've sold um, pretty much all of them. And I, to me, it just seems crazy. I think, fuck, given given his history, you know, and given that he's you know run Alchemy Records and played in the Melvins during their kind of biggest time as far as you know reach, I suppose. You think why aren't more people you know the problem with me and jace is we're total nerds so we're excited by you know we follow the, the breadcrumb trail uh, right so, yeah. you're, you're gonna yeah. be the ones who seek it out you're gonna be the ones who you know find it and even if it's the you know even a blind chicken finds a kernel of corn now again you're gonna be the one yeah <laughs> the one pecking i mean around. put it this way I, I saw sun right the first time they came to australia i saw and I'm really grateful for this because it was a great experience because their music requires, you know, um, moving air. I saw them in a 1,000 capacity venue with, I would say, maybe 100 people tops. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was just out of high school and I literally bought a ticket because somehow on a piece of paper, like in the back of a street press magazine or whatever, I realized there was a link between Sun and Joe Preston. So I didn't know anything else about him. I just knew Joe Preston had done something with this band. So, I, you know, I got to go check it out. And and it was awesome. Um, but I it took me a long time to learn that for most people, um, you know, a band is a brand, you know, and you step one step away. So that same, that same band, doesn't matter who they are, you know, it could be, Guns and Roses could be the biggest band ever. If they release something under a different name or whatever, um, it's going to be a harder sell. Um, yeah, so yeah and, I, and you, you like to think that you're that. above it or that you know that stuff doesn't matter, but the fact of the matter is that it does, and people have a hard time taking in new information and connecting the thread because most people do not actively crave nuance, as it turns out. Yeah. And also, you know, I, I mean, I say this to anyone when I release music, um, I'm not, I've never been a label and perhaps I never will be like, I've never been a label that has this sort of, you know, um, if I put out a record, it sells because I actively go and sell it. It doesn't sell itself. You know, it's not, um, it's not like, I don't know, I don't know if maybe when relapse release something, you know, a whole bunch of people buy it just because of the name. Um, 
that's just not what my label is. So it's and and I think with people like I'm really glad that Mike D um, is now on Season of Mist because uh, you know I said to him from the beginning like I don't I don't um, I, I would like you to be put out by someone much much bigger than me. <laughs> you know, it's just um, and it's the same with the Creston um, record that I put out. You know, I said to him this should be a bigger label. Like it should be. Um, and if we find one one day, I'll I'll hand it over, you know, gladly. So, <laughs> right, exactly. You know, so you know, you know, because because what I care about is is that music getting heard more, and that's exactly what Josh Advantage is like. You know, he if you think about it, he put out the first fucking Champs, the first Red Fang, the first yep. Big Business. You know, and he genuinely, um, you know, when he we played the very last Total Fest, and when I asked him about, you know, oh, why are you not going to do it anymore? He very honestly said to me, because it's too big now, you know, and it doesn't actually it doesn't actually achieve what we said. Oh, you know, what we set out to do, we kind of did. And now now it's bigger than I sort of really needed to be. And so he's this is why it's so special for us to be on his label. We know that if a bigger opportunity came along, he would just hand it over you right. know, for the good of for the good of the music. And that's how I. Um, that's how I approach my label as well, um, you know, uh, because I'm realistic about what I can, what I can achieve, you know. And uh, yeah. well, yeah, and there's, I mean, I think there's there's something to be said for that, you know, like having achievable goals and having, you know, not a limitation of vision, but sort of keeping it sustainable. Like it's there, there's. Yeah, there's not as many documentaries or biopics about that, but I think that that's just as important as the uh, the soaring heights and the the inevitable crash that every story seems to want to tell on a behind the music or whatnot. Yeah. Well, I actually um, was. It's funny. I've I've never been a big Fugazi fan, um, but massive respect for them. But I don't um, necessarily seek out their music. But anytime um, Ian Mackay is interviewed or has something to say i just listen because i just think he's good at um he's a good communicator and um sure i, I mean i'd say he's him. in that same sort of thing as uh with steve albini and with buzz Absolutely, osborne yeah. there, there's like a small group of people that look even if you don't like like everything they do it's always worth listening to them and, and hearing what their input on things are yeah and, and that's kind of rare in music because obviously most people that are in the music they're the thing that they're good at is making music and maybe not talking about it. Yeah. So, um, some of them you actually want to actively stop them from talking about it. Yeah. <laughs> not on this show, uh, of course, but, um, but anyway, I remember once listening to an interview with Ian Mackay and he said, um, you know, I don't want to make any more records than I have to like, like as in physical product. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, Oh, you know, at first I thought, Oh yeah. You know, Oh, poor, poor Ian having to, you know, press too many thousands of records, you know. Yeah. But then I thought about it and I thought, no, actually, it's exactly what my approach is as well, just obviously at a smaller level. But we are realistic about what – two things. We're realistic about what we can sell and how much energy we want to put into selling it. So there's only there's only really me running the label. Jace is very, very helpful. Um, and if I need help, he, he does it. But as far as the – the admin and the the grind that's all me and the problem with dead is we always have another record around the corner so 
as soon as you release the new one, you know, you you can't really push the old one so much. Right, exactly. So so we just come to a bit of an agreement. How how much you know, this album I just felt like this is an easier album to sell than most of ours because it's a little bit more straight ahead. Um and you know, not to pat myself on the back, but it's proven to be true. Like it has it's done what I thought and it's sold a lot faster than any record we've ever done and we're That's great, man. we're about to have yeah it's really good and we're, we're about to have sold out the um the initial pressing which is around 300 copies and we know for us that's about you know like that's probably you know we'll do more um if, if ever we're allowed to tour again whenever that happens <laughs> you know right exactly yeah we're We'll do more, but if not, we'll just release the next album and, and we'll just keep going. But um, I suppose what where we're at now, this is actually something I thought about that I did want to say, um, is, you know, I started, started making music so young that you're always looking ahead, you know, because, you know, I was the, the first, okay, where I live, you can't, you're not allowed to be in a pub um, if you're under 18. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was allowed to be in the pub to play music, um, and I used to carry around my piece of paper from the liquor licensing that proved that, because I, you know, I got thrown out of many a show that I was there to play, um, and I was always very, you know, I never, you know, I never drank or anything, and but I spent my whole life, you know, for the first four years of playing shows, no, none of my friends were allowed to come and see, and um, I, I wasn't allowed to go and see any other shows except the ones that I played. Um, so you're always sort of looking ahead and you're thinking, oh, you know, like, what am I aspiring to? And, you know, trying to get, trying to get a bigger following or trying to get, you know, and over the last few years in dead, I think what we've started to realize is, well, it's nearly 10 years of dead. Um, neither of us are, um, at the, you know, we're, we're both too old now to be like considered, you know, attractive to fucking, I don't know, like, um, most parts of the media and stuff. Um, but what we have is I realized, shit, man, there's people that have bought everything we've ever done since 2010, you know, there's, and so now what we do is what I kind of do is rather than again, look at the donut, not the hole. I'm sort of looking back at these people and going, right, you know, these, these are loyal customers, you know, um, what, what can we do? within our skills because i'm a screen printer jace is an artist you know what can we do to like um just work with these people and um that it's it's been a lot more rewarding so we, we did a seven inch recently that was only via mail order and it was a lathe cut seven inch we just pressed as many as were ordered that's it you know and i can't tell you how nice that felt to be printing covers knowing i've sold everyone <laughs> you know like yeah I, I don't have to go and hustle now i mean it's it's for the people that it's for and in this case you've made as much as the current market has demanded it and therefore you aren't left with a surplus and and aren't left with records sitting around taking up space when you can you can just move forward towards the next thing and then if it, it turns out that there's a need for it you, know, you can always make more and that's you know that's nice yeah, and we always have more music, you know, so we don't need to uh, – there's never a feeling with Dead like, oh, okay, we've got a really, really, really 
put everything into this one album because it's the only thing we have because we this is it right guys now, this is our big chance yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly like, like like right now we have four four albums in you know like in various stages of creation um and yeah so we'll always release you know probably more music than we should but um that's just we can't help ourselves we just love it you know yeah. So I guess the last question I'd have for you, and you've somewhat answered it just with the the last bit of the conversation, but uh, why do you do what you do? Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny because I I've been listening to your show, a bit, so I knew that you were I knew that you were going to ask this, and I don't know if I maybe had already mentioned this to you before, but it's been really nice for me to hear you ask this of people like, particularly people like Andy from Aquarius who. You know, I never met Andy, but I, I still haven't met him. But you know, he he was a huge supporter of my band long before Dead. Um, and Aquarius, you know, he used to buy our stuff, and and it's really cool to hear everyone almost kind of has the same answer, and it makes you feel like, oh, good, I'm not, you know, yeah. There's I, I there's nothing wrong with me. But interestingly enough, I have asked that same question of people that I've interviewed, and been met with real like animosity like dude don't fucking pull the strings you know like don't ask me something that personal um so it's really nice to hear that people have been answering it it's kind of the same answer for me as what most people have been saying which is you know i just i just have to do it and it's often to a great cost in other areas so whether that be um you know, having a career or having a, uh, a house that you, you know, own and don't rent or, um, you know, or having a, you know, relationship, you know, you know, it's, it's tested relationships and it's, it's ended them. Um, but I would say I would just keep doing it while the, um, while, while the good outweighs the bad, you know, like, I, that's that's really what I just try and do. I just try and balance because I've never, you know, I could probably play 300 shows in a year and I would still want to play more, you know. Um, I could be in the studio, you know, every day for a year and I would still want to go back. Like, for me, I just can't really get enough of it. And it's just a matter of how do I actually make it sustainable given that my love of music, you know, exceeds the amount that so far we can, you know, we can't make it a, this isn't our living, you know? Right. So, um, so we've got to go to work, um, and do what we have to do to make it work. And sometimes that feels like it isn't worth it, you know? Um, but then, uh, I just feel very, very lucky. I, 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 t I know this is a really long answer. I'm sorry, but, um, I've seen people on, you know, during this crazy fucking pandemic, I've seen people on social media talking about how bored they are. <laughs> and, and that's, yeah. I've not, I literally have not been bored since I picked up a pair of drumsticks and I'm not, you know, that's not, I've not ever been bored. Like if, you know, if I've got to wait 10 hours for a delayed plane or something, yeah, it might be inconvenient and I might get shitty and I'm like, Oh, I'm hungry and I wish I could have a shower or whatever. But I, I've never ever been bored because I'm just constantly, you know, and you know, 
Jason and I will text each other about a song. We basically have the same ideas for every song we write, so that's why the songwriting is so easy, you know. And it would literally be things like, hey, don't you reckon that bit should go for five bars instead of eight? And he's like, yeah, I was just texting you that, you know. <laughs> and um, and that's just, like, I'm so, I just feel really lucky to have that, you know, like the joy that, that playing music brings. So that's why I do it, because I just, I can't, nothing else feels as good, you know. That's playing music. So that's it. Yeah. Sounds pretty good by me, man. It's been great talking to you. It's uh so weemptyrooms.com, weemptyrooms.bandcamp.com. You can get the you get the record there, but you're meant to US customers should go to the US web store, right? That's it. it's like dead sounds or something like that. Yeah, or if they go to the Wantage USA, or Vantage USA yeah. um, that, that, they'll find their way there. But um yeah, that just means that you can buy it direct from the label in the states i'll throw all the links up on the site so nobody has to pay any attention to this bit and uh, it'll be fantastic (laughs) thank you uh yeah record's great man and uh look forward to seeing you play when there's some sort of return to whatever the new normal is yeah i guess we'll come back next year and hopefully we can do i mean we love playing our the um the midwest so hopefully we can like even do a couple of shows with you at least you know yeah, yeah, dude, it's it's. Uh, I'm glad that people are are paying attention to the record. They should. It's good. And yeah, just uh, hang in there. Stay safe, man. Thanks, you too. <laughs> All right, brother. All right, see ya. All right, there he goes. Let's listen to one of the tunes on the record here. Uh, let's do repeating a bad decision.
One more dead tune for you. And when I say dead, I mean the proper dead. Proper dead. Follow the breathing.
that was dead with the uh, last song of the record. Raving drooling. Follow the breathing. The name of that one. All right. Name of the show. It's Conan Airtrust Protonic Reversal. Are we going? It airs on Radio Note. Usually Thursdays. 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central, 6 p.m. Mountain, 5 p.m. Pacific, I don't know, 11 a.m. Australia time. I don't freaking know. <laughs> it's been a special stay-at-home edition with uh, Jeff Anasi from Dead. WeEmptyRooms.com, WeEmptyRooms.Bandcamp.com to check out the new Dead record. DeadSounds.Bandcamp.com for uh, U.S. shipping if you're planning on buying one of the few records they have left. All right. Live listeners, like Beach Blanket coming up next. RadioNeutron.com for the archives. Signing off. This is Radio Nope. Say yes to Nope. Anyone within the sound of my voice. Thanks for helping spread the show around. Conspire the fire. Join the Patreon to get episodes sooner. Stay safe out there. Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, all that stuff. Uh, spread it around if you like what you hear. I'm not going to ask you to like or subscribe, but you can do both those things if you want. Stay safe. Can you hear me now? Sponsor.
really broadcasting if there's no one there to receive? Got my radio 